the bullwhip effect is when basically it describes when small changes in demand from the consumer can have this ripple effect, like a wave effect on the supply chain, like someone cracking a whip and sending movement all the way down. We love this company, but because of the high valuation, it was yet another DCA stock. We see no reason to stop that DCA now that the share price has been blasted. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are very happy to be back in our studio. Thanks for being with us the entire time we were at Chipstock Roadshow. How are we feeling today? Better than the market, I hope. Yes, happy to be back in the studio, Casey. Um, a little under the weather, so I apologize for my voice, but we're going to power through this because we have important updates for all of you. Also, I'm in a bit of a mood because apparently, Casey, not only do I look like Herman Munster, I have also been called by one gracious YouTube commenter, Lurch, from the Adams family, which now seems like some sort of paradox that I could be two rival, tall, skinny monsters from uh, two rival TV franchises. But anyways. Well, speak for yourself. I got compared to Trinity from The Matrix, so thank you. <laughs> Here we go. On semiconductor air test systems and lattice semiconductor. What happened yesterday, Casey? Before continuing, let me remind you to hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if this video is helpful as you do your own investment research and increase your knowledge of business and technology. We really appreciate the support as subscribing to the channel helps us continue putting out content like this. Ooh, we have a lot to cover. This was a mess. So on semi kicked off Monday morning with Q3 2023 earnings update, and it had the market really freaked out. Shares ended the day down just over 20%, and it's now at around $67 compared to a high of just over $110 per share just a couple of months ago. On Semi is also Air Test Systems' largest customer, about 85% of the revenue for Air Test Systems last quarter. So it was falling in sympathy as well. Air Test Systems also crashed nearly 20% to just under $24 per share. After its big implosion, we told you all last week we had begun buying again in the low 30s, even though we thought it was still at the high end of fair value. And finally, Lattice Semiconductor, the last independent FPGA pure play stock, also tanked 17% after hours Monday on its Q3 earnings. So what is happening? Are we headed for a new downturn, a new recession for the chip market? To put it plainly, Casey, no, I don't believe so. I don't think you believe we are either. Unfortunately, we are still working through some supply chain issues that got started during the pandemic. I hate to bring that up again, but some of these problems with supply chains from the pandemic era are now being amplified by the Federal Reserve's aggressive interest rate hikes from last year, having a delayed but very dramatic effect on consumers right now. So I won't go into a rant on that, but remember the bullwhip effect is when basically it, it describes when small changes in demand from the consumer can have this ripple effect, like a wave effect on the supply chain, 
like someone cracking a whip and sending the movement all the way down, down that. So this was very pronounced, especially for the automotive industry. A brief halt to demand for auto purchases in early 2020 suddenly turned into massive demand. And then there was a chip shortage. So we can actually here refer all the way back to the beginning of our channel late last year and share our what caused the chip shortage video if you want more info on this. But let's fast forward today to complicate matters further. Historically, the chip industry used to all grow and go through these cyclical declines and cyclical advances in lockstep. So, you know, the PC market and the automotive and the industrial markets would kind of all move in tandem with each other. But this bullwhip effect is having this like out of phase effect on different parts of the semiconductor industry. So we have PC and smartphone chips went into decline almost a year and a half ago now, starting the second half of 2022. And now they're bottoming and could be going back into growth, at least according to Intel's report that we just got last week. But now automotive is only just now seemingly reaching its peak. Um, so you like these two different bullwhips, I guess you could maybe, uh, Casey, call it like that double battling rope exercise or uh, the rope slam exercise at the gym. Is that a fair comparison? Yes, Nick, I think that is a very good analogy, that ripple effect throughout the, the market. And what's interesting with this auto chip shortage was that it was especially pronounced not just because of that consumer demand, but also this corresponding shift in how the car is made, the digitalization and electrification of cars. So really, there's three secular growth trends remaking the modern car. Mobile communications like smartphone on wheels, new self-driving and advanced assist or ADAS features like a data center on wheels, and of course, electric cars. All three of these secular trends require tons more chips. On Semi, CFO Thad Trent had emphasized this point earlier this year when he said a traditional internal combustion car engine needs a couple hundred dollars worth of chips. Now, today's advanced EVs need something approaching $2,000 per vehicle, and that amount is only going up. This was supposed to bridge any gap if that bullwhip effect struck again, turning the chip shortage into a period of oversupply. So, Nick, what happened? Explain that to us. Yeah, so it, it does look like bullwhip is striking again. And again, I'll emphasize here, interest rates are exacerbating this. So on semi CEO, Hussein Okori said this several times throughout the call, interest rates are lowering demand for electric vehicles because an EV is more expensive. It's harder to finance when interest rates are higher on an EV, which is more expensive than a traditional car. And this is especially happening right now in Europe. Interest rates also up in Europe, just like in the US. And so it's hurting consumer demand and working against, currently anyways, against the long-term EV growth trend. So they called out some of ON's tier one OEMs or original parts manufacturers are suddenly dealing with this excess inventory as a result. One auto OEM in particular was called out as, as needing to reduce orders of silicon carbide SIC chips. So ON is now going to undership supply to help them burn off that excess inventory. This probably is starting to sound familiar, right? It sounds like what's been going on 
with PC and smartphone components over the last year and a half. Yes, that's exactly what this sounds like. We've also seen this in the recent Tesla earnings call. CEO Elon Musk said multiple times that they have to reduce the price of vehicles so that people can make those monthly payments because the interest rates have become so high. Does this mean that growth is done for in EVs? It seems like this is merely a slowdown, right? On said its new silicon carbide or SIC chips, many of which go into the EV market to handle the high voltage applications there and which air test systems helps with quality control and burn-in is still a growth market. Yes, absolutely. Still growing very quickly. So here's the context, Casey. Previously, on semi had said it was going from about $200 million in SIC sales in 2022 to about $1 billion this year. Okay, so a 5x year-over-year increase. It just lowered that outlook from 1 billion in 2023 to about 800 million. I think it said over 800 million SIC chip sales for 2023. So still a big year-over-year increase, a 4X from 2022 to 2023, but not quite as dramatic an increase as before. That's what's leading to this lowered outlook for the fourth quarter of 2023. Um, it's also interesting here, Casey, that energy infrastructure grew 60% year-over-year in Q3. So that's things like solar. Remember, on semi supplies like eight of the top 10 solar inverter makers. So that's companies like Enphase and Solar Edge and all the industrial solar inverter suppliers. Interestingly, they said they're still growing this business in Q4. That's an interesting side point, but ultimately, the energy infrastructure business for on semi is still too small to offset these declines elsewhere automotive and the suddenly decelerating growth of the EV market. And as for that outlook specifically for Q4 2023, Onset it expects revenue to be in the range of $1.95 to $2.05 billion. That's down as much as 11% sequentially from Q3 and down as much as 7% year over year from 2.1 billion in Q4 last year. So on is coming down from its peak sales and probably peak earnings per share a bit. Big deal. Why this massive 20% drop in a day? Yeah, super dramatic drop just in a day. Dramatic drop from the peak just two months ago as well, right, Casey? Individual stocks are volatile even well-established profitable companies. Remember this, folks, all individual stocks are volatile. This is not an unusual move for an individual stock. Also remember this, uh, outlook is very key when you're trying to figure out a fair price to pay for a stock. It's the future that dictates the value of a company, not the past or the present. So Investors are eyeing initial 2024 guidance. And to be clear, Elcori and CFO ThadTrack did not provide specific guidance yet for 2024. However, Elcori alluded to this downturn not getting quickly resolved, saying that a return to growth for OnSemite may not come until the second half of 2024. And I think that's what has everyone spooked, right? Um, and then by extension, air test systems as well given their reliance on silicon carbide SIC sales to on 
Um, in particular, like you mentioned, Casey, 85% of revenue last quarter. That's why it tanked as well. We can also mention here that management reiterated its long-term guidance for 10 to 12% sales growth through the next few years, as you can see in this chart provided by OnSemi. EVs and industrial automation and such are still massive growth trends that On is overexposed to. But the immediate term picture has gotten murky all of a sudden because of these higher interest rates. With the auto worker union strikes now seemingly over with Ford, Stellantis, and GM all settling, it seems that it isn't going to be so much of an impact outside of the immediate term. So is on an air stock still a buy? Quick break from chip stock investor Casey, and I wanted to talk to you about Main Street data. Main Street Data is a data visualization and charting platform that helps investors analyze companies in the stock market. Because the stock market is so complex, it can be very difficult to make informed investment decisions without the right tools. Main Street Data gives you the tools and information you need to make better investment decisions. Main Street Data offers a variety of benefits, including data visualization, charting tools, and company earnings, calls, transcripts, which are an easy way to reference up-to-date comments from management of your favorite stocks. You can sign up for Main Street Data today and get a special discount through our link below in the description. Put simply, Casey, yeah, I think we think so, but for the long term. And it's probably going to get bumpy here in, in the next couple of quarters as they go through this downturn. A little bit of background and clarification for some of the new viewers and subscribers here. OnSemi is the only IDM, integrated device manufacturer, I guess with the exception of Qualcomm and Broadcom. That's a different topic though. It's the only stock that we've been buying this year in the IDM space in your semiconductor flowchart shown here, Casey. We've been dollar cost averaging into on semiconductor though. Uh, we started that when it was in the low seventies earlier this year, and it's been a small DCA uh, as bullish as we've been on the stock. It's still at this point, a small position for us. Again, I'll reference one of our past videos here from a few months ago on, on semi before it really, really kind of shot up there. But it, here's the beauty of a dollar cost average plan is when the stock price shoots up like it did this summer, we end up buying fewer shares when that price spike happens. But then when the shares tank, like they just did, we actually end up buying more stock, more position in the company. So the dollar amount stays static. So we see no reason to change the DCA going forward because of the long-term guidance remaining unchanged for on semi. So. Let's maybe take a moment here, Casey, and do a reverse discount cash flow model on on semi. It's been a bit since we've done one. So their full year expected earnings per share is now supposed to be roughly $4.85. This is gap earnings per share. And if we stick a 15% average annual earnings per share growth rate on that 485, and I'm basing this off of a 10 to 12% revenue growth, plus a bit of profit margin expansion plus stock repurchases along the way for the next three years, 15% EPS growth for three years, and then leveling off to just 3% EPS growth thereafter, discount rate of 10%. By the way, we think that's a high discount rate. On has no need of financing, and that's well above 
even where spiking interest rates are at. And also that new silicon carbide fab in South Korea is also now complete too. So on in really, really good shape, a balance sheet, and we think free cash flow will recover. Anyways, discount rate of 10% gets us to that $98 per share current fair value. We think the market is maybe hyper-focusing on some near-term weakness and think a DCA is appropriate for us to continue through this downturn, even though it's likely to get, well, let's call it bumpy. With that being said, let's talk about air. This one seems a bit tricky. Is their previous guidance still relevant after this news with ON? Yeah, Casey, that is a tricky one. Let's assume the guidance is still good. I'm sure ON and AIR are in good communication with each other, given the reliance that they have on each other in that SIC business. So since their growth is largely based on new customers adopting their equipment, not so much ON, I think we're going to be conservative here, but we think AIR's growth story can remain intact. So let's do another DCF discount cash flow on air. It's been a while since we've done that as well. And since we've said that we've started buying again, let's, let's talk about that. So their full year expected earnings per share, we think will be about 80 cents for fiscal year 2024, ending in May, 2024 versus 50 cents last year. Uh, remember a couple months ago, we were highly skeptical of the high valuation some investors were putting on the stock because we think they were extrapolating gap net income of at least 90% growth onto their assumptions for EPS. And that's a mistake because net income doesn't take into account the dilution that comes from stock-based compensation and the sale of new stock that air is going to sell to raise cash. So we don't think 90% plus earnings per share growth was ever in the cards for air test systems. We're, we're calling it 80 cents per share for fiscal year 2024. Just FYI on that, why EPS growth is lower than the 90% net income growth AIR has said to expect. Okay, let's say 25% average annual EPS for the next three years. I think that's pretty generous, pretty generous assumption, but maybe some think will be even higher. We'll see. And then leveling off to 5% earnings per share growth thereafter. Discount rate of 10% gets us to $28 per share current fair value. Casey, that's why we said even in the low 30s, we still thought air was on the high side of fair value. But at any rate, just to reiterate here, we were skeptical of some of the ludicrous valuation being stuck on air test systems earlier this summer, but now it looks like a much more reasonable value today. Not a cheap stock, but reasonably valued. So we'll continue adding to our position here again, too. Let's briefly touch on Lattice Semiconductor now. This company is one of my favorites. It's the last FPGA pure play stock left standing after AMD acquired Xilinx, an FPGA leader back in early 2022, and Intel acquired Altera back in 2015. Lattice Semiconductor seemed to be bucking the trend that other broad-based FPGA companies were facing with the downturns. They have lots of new products and were scooping up lots of market share at the expense of AMD and Intel. But it seems the same downturn in some industrial applications, including some data center weakness outside of AI, 
is also hitting Lattice. What happened? Yeah, another nasty downturn after earnings. Again, it's all about the guidance, folks. It's all about the future when valuing stocks. So the third quarter of 2023 was a great quarter. Uh, we aren't breaking news here, so you've probably already seen that. 11% year-over-year revenue growth. Once again, expanding profit margins. Ugh, amazing 40% free cash flow profit margins in Q3. All the reasons we've really enjoyed watching the Lattice semiconductor story unfold the last few years. That's continuing. But Q4 guidance is the rub. That's what has the market going nuts over Lattice Semiconductor. Yes, that guidance specifically was revenue to be 166 million to 186 million. That's down as much as 14% from Q3 and down as much as 6% from last year. Although at the high end of the estimate, it would represent as much as a 6% year-over-year growth from last year. But if Lattice comes in near the bottom, it would bring their multi-year growth run to an end. And it's been quite the record for this small company up to this point. Yeah, let's emphasize that. This is obviously not a small cap by traditional definitions, 10 billion market cap at this point. But for a semiconductor business, Lattice is a small cap stock, in, at least in our book. When you have to contend with companies with billions and billions of dollars in sales every quarter, and you're only doing shy of 200 million in sales, you're a small cap. Uh, cards are stacked against you. Anyways, uh, softness in that Q4 outlook was due to some near-term weakness in 5G and mobile network infrastructure. Not particularly surprising here. A lot of telecom companies in co cash conservation mode this year. And then also like on semi-reported, some weakness in automotive demand for FPGAs as well. So some similarities here impacting Lattice Semi's near-term outlook. Yes, and CEO James Anderson seemed to emphasize that both of these areas are expected to be temporary downturns as these are long-term secular growth trends for Lattice, along with data center and AI applications. And one thing to remember, the attach of software, which is what puts the programmable part in FPGA field programmable gate array, is still apparently a standout feature for Lattice we love this company, but because of the high valuation, it was yet another DCA stock. We see no reason to stop that DCA now that the share pr price has been blasted, right? It's a DCA that we fired up early this year, Casey. You gotta love those hardware and software integrated businesses like we talked about in our infinitely scalable business model discussion late last week. So we, we think this would be the wrong time to stop a DCA now that the stock price is down so much and that it's still such a small position that we were ultimately building for the long term. So we're still DCA. We're going to still dollar cost average into this company. And these wild swings in stock price is exactly why we use a DCA to build out a position, especially in smaller companies like Lattice and especially cyclical ones like semiconductor businesses that you know, stock prices are just, they're volatile. One last discount cash flow, reverse discount cash flow on Lattice, LSCC, which we're leading unchanged from all the way back in May, 2023. Link to that video here.
The only thing that is changing is the full year expected earnings per share of about a buck fifty, which is higher than when we covered the company in May, uh, because at that point all we had on hand was Q1 2023 earnings. This business has been outperforming since then. So about a dollar fifty in earnings per share expected for this year. We're still going to assume 18% to 20% average annual EPS growth. Let's call it 18% for this particular reverse DCF. And I'm basing this on about expected 12% average annual revenue growth, plus profit margin expansion, plus stock repurchases. And only for the next two years, because now 2023 is almost over. So for two years, leveling off to 8% EPS growth thereafter, discount rate of 10%. Again, we think that's a bit too high, but whatever. Let's be conservative in our estimate, gets us to 97 bucks per share for current share value. So we are definitely going to continue our DCA during this downturn. Unlike some other chip companies, we think this downturn could be resolved in early 2024. Could be totally wrong on that though. But again, that's why we dollar cost average in companies like this. Let's wrap this up then. Is a new semiconductor recession coming? Yes, it looks like it is, but it looks like it will only be hitting the automotive market and pockets of other industrial applications. As we've been stating in past videos, the overall market is bottoming and should return to growth headed into 24 with PC and smartphone and other consumer electronics finding rock bottom. After the bear market of 2022 and chip stocks trading for really cheap, we said it was going to be a lot harder going forward. And yesterday's market beating of on air and lattice is exactly what we were talking about. Stay tuned for more. Please hit the subscribe button and please share our videos and channel with your fellow investors. We really appreciate the support, everyone. You're all awesome. Chin up. Things are looking scary out there on the market, but when everyone is in panic mode, that's when the best buying opportunities present themselves. We'll be back later this week with more post-earnings coverage. Thanks again from Chipstock Investor.